2 Corinthians chapter 2 tonight. We've been looking at this, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. And we have dealt with the devices uh, that were away from this text that we just read. Uh, uh, but this is was a simply a simple way diving board into other areas of the devices of the devil. But then I would like to uh, examine the device that comes out of this text, uh, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. And what Paul is really talking about is the text that uh, he said, uh, "Let Satan get advantage of us." There's something in the text that the church was doing or was not doing. Uh, that the devil was using as a as a beachhead or a uh, in their life, and the devil was using as advantage to uh, get over on top of them. And that is what the devil was using in the text. The device that I'm going to preach on tonight is device of the text of unforgiveness, the device that is used in so many Christian lives tonight. The devil's device of unforgiveness. This is what chapter 2 is talking about. If you read the thing, in fact, uh, uh, what Paul was dealing with. So let us read the first 10 verses of chapter 2 tonight. And then we'll just get right on into the message. Chapter 2, verse number 1. But I determined this with myself that I would not come again to you in heaviness. For I'd make you sorry, sorrow who is in he. For who is he that maketh me glad, but the same which is made sorrow by me? I, and I write this same unto you, lest when I come I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having the confidence in you and all that may, may have joy and exist the joy of you all. For out of this so much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any have caused grief, he have not grieved me. But in part, I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man that is, is that his punishment, which was inflicted of many. So that contrarywise, you ought to rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him, for, the, for this end also I did write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things, to whom you forgive anything, if I forgive also, for I forgive anything to whom I forgive it for your sake, for gone, forgave it I in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of him, lest we are not ignorant of his devices. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight. Lord, we just have you, Lord, just touch our hearts, open us our hearts, and live and just be what we need to be, Lord, Father. Help me tonight, Lord, and we just thank you for all your mercy and grace and love. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So Paul's talking about in these first ten verses, if you go back to chapter uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, uh, the church of Corinth uh, had a person that was living a wicked life, an immoral life. Uh, and Paul told the church, this is what you need to do. 
to this individual. Put him out of the church. Delivered him, to, the Bible said, delivered him unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit should be saved by the day the Lord Jesus Christ judge him. And he wanted, he won't, if he won't get right, he won't repent, get him out of the church. So the rest of the church does take a black eye. They, they have been allowing this to go on in the church. They've been allowing this uh, uh, immoral act of this uh, sin to be going on in church. And, and they just didn't know what to do. So they asked Paul. Paul said, you need to get rid of him. Get him out of the church because it's going to uh, 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 spoil the church. A little leaven and spoiled uh, all of it. And he said, you need to get him out of the church. And that's what he said. So I believe we get to 2 Corinthians and this man has repented. The man had come back. He's confessed and he's, he, he's, re, he's repented of what he was doing and he got right with God again. Now Paul's writing back to the church telling them, look, what I want, wanted to accomplish by removing him from the membership, it was accomplished. He felt guilt. He felt sorrow. And godly repented. And he wants to get right. And now because he's confessed, because he has repented of his sins, forgive him, but now he's, he is running to a different roadblock. He, he come to him and said, I, I realized what I was doing was wrong. I, I realized it was against God. Uh, so I like to repent of that, and, and, and I'm coming to you to repent. In 1 Corinthians, this was the roadblock. They wouldn't do anything about the immoral sin that was going on. If you read chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, he was having a relationship with his stepmother. If you read all that, you find out it was a sin. He got right with God. He repented and he come back to God. So he runs into another roadblock. The church didn't know what to do with him. Then when Paul told them this is what you need to do, they ran him out of the church. And when he comes back, they still would not have anything to do with him. Paul said, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what I found out? If the devil can get you, get, can't get you one way, he'll get you the other way. He, 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 if, you can't, if he can't tear you up one way, he's going to find another way. In 1 Corinthians, the way the devil was getting was by harboring the sin in the congregation. And when, they, when, he, when he finally got right now, the congregation will not bring him back in. That's the way the devil starts getting over on top of people. When the guy did get right and finally came back and confessed, they wouldn't forgive him. They wouldn't have nothing to do with him. Devil can't get you one way. He's going to get you another way. And, and Paul said to this church, if you're not willing to forgive an individual when he's genuinely, genuinely repented and confessed what he's done, the devil will get an advantage. The devil's going to get an advantage over you in your life. Now listen what I'm about to tell you. Unforgiveness is a bitterness that will drain you of your joy and your freedom in your life. And not only out of you, but those that are around you, those associated with you, it will drain them up. Unforgiveness is a cancer that can't and only eats at you and at the person that you directed to. Unforgiveness. 
I, I read an article about life caregivers, those that like hospice and those who uh, care for those who are about to pass on, those about to uh, leave this world. And, and they questioned these uh, life caregivers, what is the number one thing that these people getting ready to pass on, what is their number one regret? And every one of them said the number one regret that every one of them had was they had unforgiveness in their life. They, they were not able to forgive their lives. I, I don't want to die with having some unforgiveness in my life. I don't want to die with unforgiveness in my heart towards somebody, an individual. Maybe... <laughs> I'm just saying, truly deserve, if they repented, they truly deserve forgiveness tonight. Forgiveness is a device that the devil would be looking, unforgiveness is a device that the devil will be looking for in your life. And I want to show you some things about this device of the unforgiveness that the devil uses and harbors against you in your life. And if you don't deal with it, if you don't get rid of it, your joy and your walk with God is going to be hindered and it's going to put a black eye on the church and you and those around you. Go to Luke chapter number 17 tonight. Luke chapter number 17. The misconception about forgiveness or unforgiveness. There are some wrong ideas that people have about forgiveness. They said, should you forgive a person with absolute no strings attached? Somebody has done you wrong. Somebody has uh, done the church wrong. You ought to forgive them with no strings attached. On their part, can I say that's not Bible? That's not what the Bible teaches us. People said you should forgive people. If you're a Christian, yes, but biblically forgiveness hinges on repentance. Look at chapter 17. There is nothing that, like the King James Bible to straighten out doctrine in people's lives. Luke 17, verse number 3. Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Rebuke him. Now, can I say... Rebukeness in the churches today is a, a thing of the past. <laughs> Preachers are scared to rebuke somebody because when they rebuke somebody for something they did, they're either going to do one or two things. They are going to get right with God or they're going to get mad and leave. I see more people leaving when you say, hey, you can't do that. That's not right. When you rebuke them. And, and Paul, uh, uh, Jesus said here, Hey, take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Tell him what he's done wrong. And if he repent, forgive him. Amen. If he repent, forgive him. Paul told Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, rebuke, reprove, and rebuke. Like I said, if you rebuke someone today, instead of getting right, to get upset, to get mad, and they leave. Can I say the full and free forgiveness requires repentance 
Now, 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 I'll get to the other side. Don't, don't get ahead of me. I'll get to the other side of that equation. I know you're trying to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You say, well, preacher, what about this in Ephesians chapter 4, 32? And, he, and be ye kind about one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. I understand that. That is exactly right. Let me ask you a question then. When did God, for Christ's sake, forgave you? You repented. You had to repent in order for God to forgive you of Christ's sake. And Jesus is telling the same thing. If a brother has sinned, if a brother has caused problems, and he comes and he repents of it, then you forgive him. You don't get forgiveness before you repent. Amen. When you come to God and says, I, 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 I've decided with you against myself that I'm a dirty old rotten scandal sinner. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against God. I deserve to go to hell. Lord, save me. When I repented of who I was and what I was, that then God gave me forgiveness. There is nobody in this building saved tonight that did not repent of the sins that they'd done. It is the essential part of salvation for repent. Paul said, I, be, I preach repentance toward God and the faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what scares me with a lot of some of these conversions you get today. Uh, uh, somebody gets uh, the feeling that God took it on the heart to, and they'll come down the altar and the preacher says, uh, you want to get saved? Yes. Uh, you want to know Jesus? Yes. Uh, you want to get right? Yes. Then repeat after me. Lord, forgive me our sins. Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, come into my heart. There is nothing in there that draws them there. There is nothing in there that confirms that. They're just repeating what preachers are telling them to repeat after me. Amen. So I'm worried about that kind of stuff today. When God gets a hold of your heart, when God speaks your heart, you'll know that God said, hey, you need to get right with God. You'll come to the altar screaming and begging and asking God forgive you your sins. You don't need anybody that says repeat after me. Now, I'm not saying that people can't get saved like that because God can save anybody. If they had genuine repentance in their heart when they come to the altar and desire in their heart to get forgiven. But a lot of that stuff is just some kind of stuff that's trying to get an assurance out of hell. And there's no conversion there's real, no real forgiveness, and some repent. And when they come to the church, leave it to an individual level. There must be some repentance by the party that's done the offending. The Bible tells us there. Now, suppose they, they don't come. Suppose they, they, they've hurt you, they've harmed you. Somebody's offended you. They've done you wrong. And they don't come to you and repent. What do you do? 
You say, well, I've got the right to be bitter because they haven't repented. They've done me wrong. They've done this. They said this about me. I've got a right to be bitter. No, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't. You don't have the right to be bitter. You cannot let the bitterness of somebody not coming to you, repenting of what they've done to you, that let the bitterness grow up in your heart and cause you and make you hinder with the walk of God. You've got to get your heart right with God. Whether they get right with you, whether they get right with God, you have to get your heart right with God. You say, God, uh, uh, they have hurt me. They have harmed me. You know what they've done. But I cannot let this hinder me. I cannot let this cause me to... To stumble I'm going to get some get stuff out of my life Lord I just want you to clean me up you get your heart right with God and let God deal with them it's like you're driving down the road somebody sideswipes you and keeps getting it anybody have that happen to anybody I mean just Bam, hit you, and they kept getting it. Well, you could have been mad. You could have got all upset, and you say, well, they hit me, and they need to pay for it, and I'm not going to do nothing about it. Well, what are you going to do, ride around with a dent fender all the rest of your life? Take it to the insurance. Let the insurance guy fix it. Amen. When we got hit in Florida, and I know the woman that have insurance. So she comes and says, can I pay for that? Out of my pocket. Being the kind-hearted person I am, sure. Driving away, I'm thinking to myself, boy, we ain't going to see her at all. But sure enough, she did. She came back and paid it. But, you know, you, you can drive around with that dented fender, whining and complaining that the person that hit you, and they've gone on. They don't care about what they've done to you. They don't care what problems they've caused you. You can drive around with that dented fender and whine and complain for years after years, and you know what? All you're doing is riding around with a dented fender. Go ahead and get it fixed. Get over and let go on and go on with yourself. You've got to get your heart right with God. No matter what that person has done, said, or where they've gone, or whatever, whatever they've done to you, if they haven't come to you repenting, you still got to get your heart right. The pattern, the pattern for restoration is this. The pattern for restoration and forgiveness is private sin should be confessed privately. Public sin should be confessed publicly before church, before the individual, before God. It should be confessed publicly. I've always been thought that a private sin should be confessed privately towards God. A public sin should be confessed publicly toward the church and the congregation and the individual that done it. That's the way I've been taught. It requires private sin, requires private confession. Public sin requires public confession. If somebody's done you wrong in public, then it needs to be brought to you in, you in public. It needs to be confessed in public. Amen. Take that and live on that for a little while and see how that does. Go back to 2 Corinthians. So we see the, the misconception of forgiveness or unforgiveness, how people think, well, you ought to just forgive them anyway. If that brother doesn't come to you and repent of the, what they've done to you, then, then, then you get yourself right with God, let God deal with them. But if they do come and repent, they do come, genuinely come and, and ask forgiveness and repent to you. You're to forgive them. 
Amen. You're, you're to forgive them. That, that's, just, that's Bible. You can't say, well, I'll forgive them, but I ain't going to like them. That's not the Bible didn't say that. There is a means of unforgiveness. How do, you for, how do you avoid unforgiveness? In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 10. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sake forgave it in the person of Christ. You might say, what are the means I can use to forget somebody? How can I forgive somebody? Here's the means. When somebody comes to you in repentance, somebody comes to you and confess. How do I forgive them? You forgive them like Jesus forgave you. What? Like Jesus forgave you. When a person comes to you and has sincerely repented and genuinely wants forgiveness and they confess their sin to you and, and, and they want you to forgive them, your job, Paul says, I did it in the person of Christ. In other words, I, I forgave like Jesus forgave. How did Jesus forgive? When you come to repent, I tell you exactly how Jesus forgave. When you come and repent of your sins, He forgave you full and free. He forgives it all. And He forgets it all. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful to just forgive us our sins and the cleanses of all unrighteousness. Listen, when, when, when you come to the Lord Jesus and repent and ask him forgiveness, aren't you glad that two days later he ain't come back and point his finger and say, I, I told you. you I, I've got, he, he ain't coming in there and say, hey, look, I've got this against you. I've got it in my back pocket. And when any of you do something wrong, I'm going to pull this out and say, look here. Remember what you did. Ain't you glad God doesn't do that? Ain't you glad God forgets and forgives and God doesn't bring it up anymore? It's behind his back. He says, I remember them no more. Aren't you glad God is like that? Then why can't we be like that? Why, why can't we be like that? Preacher, how should I forgive? When somebody genuinely likes this fellow in 2 Corinthians, has wants repentance and wants forgiveness, you are to forgive him like Jesus. I know that that is not easy. But I'm just telling you what the Bible says. If there's been genuine repentance and restoration, and prove yourself, and Paul talks about proving ourselves, if there has been given a repentance in the part of this one who's committed and has confessed, then it's your job to forgive. It's your job to forgive them like Christ. That, that doesn't mean you get to hold a trump card on them later on down the road. That's not what he's talking about. The means for real forgiveness. So the devil does not get an advantage of us in our life and keeps beating us over our heads with this unforgiveness. There must be repentance and restoration. There must be also absolving of it. You say, preacher, I can't forget it. I can't forget it. I realize tonight the only one that can forgive and forget is God and I'm not God, I can forgive, but I cannot forget. I, I just can't do that. 
it's impossible for me to forget something that somebody has done to me. But it's not impossible for me for, to forgive them, but it's impossible for me to forget it. But I can forgive them. I cannot forget it. I tell you what you do. When the devil brings up those things that when somebody has done to you, somebody's hurt you, somebody's harmed you, somebody said something to you, and you and they came to you and said, Look, I am truly sorry what I did. I I, I messed up. I made a mess. I, I just I'm just asking you right now, forgive me. And they're sincere about that, and you say, I'll forgive you. But you know the devil's gonna bring it up another month later. The devil's gonna bring it right back. As soon as you say it, person says, You remember what they said about you? You remember what they did? You know that's going to come up. When the devil brings that up, he says, just tell the devil, I remember that, but I also remember it's forgiven. It's forgiven. You keep telling the devil it's forgiven, it's forgiven, it's forgiven. Yeah, sooner or later, it's going to be forgiven. You ain't going to forget about it, but it's going to be forgiven. There, there's a mess that's made when dealing with unforgiveness. And what a mess is made, there are two messes that are made. It can make a mess in the person who repents and needs forgiveness. Verse number seven, sufficient to such a man is this punishment. He, he, he was put out of the church because of what he was doing. Was inflicted of many, the whole entire church put him out. But now he's getting right. So that contrary, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him. Why? Lest perhaps such one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. The individual that sincerely repents sought restoration, sincerely got right, and the church was now telling him uh, not willing to forgive him for what he repented of. You know, that, that, you know what happens to that? This guy... He would have wound up walking out in this world away from the church, away from God because he did what the Bible told him did. He did what the Word of God told him did and yet the church would not accept his repentance. Can I say this? Is this the way that those Christians are I don't want to need to get yoked up with? I believe there are a lot of people today living out in this world today that have hurt feelings because they was done something wrong in the church. They got right with God. They repented with God. God forgive them, but the church would refuse to forgive them. There are many people walking in the world today that don't go to the house of God because the church decided to cast lots and said, no, we will not forgive you. If God forgive them, they have repented, then it's our job to forgive them and restore them back to fellowship. Repentance, and they, he found none in the church. In fact, they couldn't, he couldn't find anybody. Instead, when some man or woman, when they mess up, 
And when they had repented, and I'm not talking about somebody that walks around proud of their sins. You see those people walk around proud of their sins. They're stiff-necked, they're holding their heads up, and they're proud of what they're doing. And I'm talking about when someone sincerely seeks repentance and asks for forgiveness. Don't kick them down. Don't put them down. Forgive them. There's something wrong with the church that don't forgive when somebody repents. Aren't you glad God forgives us when we repent? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a shame that we repent and God says, you know what? I don't think I want to repent. I don't want your repentance. I don't want you. What, what a shame. When we start saying, I, I won't take your forgiveness, I won't take your repentance, I, I'm just going to turn away and walk away, then we, be, we could come like gods. We're telling them you, we can't do that. If the man repents and the man wants forgiveness and the man sincerely does that, then it is our job to forgive them and restore them and bring them back to fellowship. Not only does it make a mess in the lives of those who seek the repentance, who needs repentance, but it makes a mess in the lives of those who refuse to give repentance. Look at Mark chapter 11. Now I'm not going to take this out of context. I understand, realize when Jesus is preaching and who he's preaching to, read uh, Mark chapter 11, verse number 25. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you in your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. This is simply saying as a child of God, if you want God on your practical daily walk, in your life, to grant you forgiveness, then you should be willing to do it to others that have repented. And they're in the same boat as you and I. Remember when Jesus talked about this fellow, that, uh, he owed a, a large debt, and he went to his master and said, I, I can't pay this debt, and, and that master forgave him his debt, and he went away then old sent no debt along. Then, then someone owed him a debt, and he come to him and said, I, I can't pay this debt. He wouldn't forgive. In fact, he cast, hit him, grabbed him by the throat, and cast him in jail. So that's what Jesus is talking about. I'm willing to forgive, but you're not willing to forgive. In much the same way, as a Christian on a regular basis, we ought to get down on our knees daily and say, Lord, I am sorry for my life, what I've done in my life. I'm sorry that I've done this. I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry I don't do, didn't do what I was supposed to do and what I want to do. Lord, forgive me. The Bible says if we ask for forgiveness, he will forgive forgiveness. So when I come and, and repent and expect God to do so, because he said he will, if, if you confess your sins, he's justified to forgive you of your sins, and we expect him to forgive us our sin because he said it there. But listen, according to that, if you're, if you're unwilling to do the same, 
to somebody else. And I'm talking about somebody who's genuinely come and repented their sins to you. Like you did before God. And you're unwilling to forgive them. When they've repented. There just might be some cleansing every day that you're missing out. Because you're not willing to forgive those. And you time you keep running to God and you have gotten unforgiveness in your life, God is not going to forgive you. That's what he tells us here. It's a dangerous place when you get to, uh, the, uh, where the devil's holding uh, that unforgiving spirit over your head and over your heart. You say, uh, don't, that doesn't happen to me. I know people have been abused physically. I know people have been abused mentally and sexually. I know they've been abused uh, and nobody ever came and seek. Nobody came and, and asked for forgiveness. Nobody came and said, forgive me for what I've done. Nobody's ever did that. And they could have walked around the rest of their lives with their head stuck in the air, mad at the world and just mad at God and mad at everybody. But no, I know many of them that's gone to God and said, Lord God, I, I, I can't live with this. I can't live like this. There they're not going to repent to me. They're not coming out telling me I'm sorry. I need you to cleanse me up and, and let my life go on for you. They got their right heart right with God, regardless of what anybody else did. Amen. I read a story about a man. He loved to collect rocks. He went up in the mountains and he loved to collect rocks. And he took his guy with him. He says, let's go with me. We're going to go up in the mountains. We're going we're to bust them rocks and bring them back because he put them around in his yard. And the guy was writing it. The article said he took him up there and he looked around. And he said, he'd go to these big rocks. He says, now I know I cannot tote it. He cannot tote it. What are you going to do? The guy had a sledgehammer and a chisel. He said, these rocks are too big for him to take his hammer to. And these rocks are too big to... Take his chisel to you. He says, I don't know what you're going to do. But he said, a man to take that rock, that big rock, he'll look that rock over, fill that rock over, he'll find a little bit of crack in that rock. And he'll take that chisel and put it on that crack and just start hammering, hammering. He said, it didn't take long, but you notice that crack starts spreading, spreading. And the more he hit it, the more it spread. Next thing you know, chunks are starting falling off. Pieces are starting falling off. And then the more you know, he's going to bust that big rock up into something that he can carry in tow. Can I tell you that's exactly what the devil is doing to you and I. He's looking for that little crack in your life that he can take that, that sledgehammer and that chisel and he's going to just beat on it. He's just going to hit on it. He's going to hit on it. He's going to hit until your life starts falling apart because of that crack you left in your life. Amen. Don't, don't let the devil hold this uh, device of unforgiveness over your head and just keep beating you over it and beating you over it and thinking you're all right with God. I, I haven't forgiven them thinking, hey, uh, because I have forgiven them, I still go to church. I still sing. I do this. I do that. I do this and I do that. But I had this unforgiveness in my heart toward that person. Then you're not right with God. You're not right with God. God says whether they come to you or not, you need to get right with God. And can I say this? God is the only one that can get you right. 
I could talk to you all day long. I could tell you this and I could tell you that. But it's God that takes and gets the heart right when there's unforgiveness in the heart. But I tell you this, you've got to come to God. You've got to come to God. Like I said, you've got to get God to fix you. And I ain't going to worry about what they've done. I'm not going to worry what they do, whether they come or not. And I, I can't worry about that. I'm just going to get God to fix me. Like I said, the best thing to do to avoid that unforgiveness in your life when you forgive somebody is just tell the devil, I remember that being forgiven. And if you genuinely have forgiven them of what they've done, then God will take care of that. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. We all harbor that. We all do that. If we, we let unforgiveness get in our lives, it will hinder our walk with God because that's exactly what the devil wants. To hold it over your head and keep beating you over the head saying, hey, there's unforgiveness. The devil wants to separate you from God and the way he does it, he uses these devices that we've been talking about to separate you from God. Because if you got any of those devices we've talked about in your life, then that separates you from God. That separates you from walking with God. That separates you from being receiving the blessings of God because these devices in your life. The way you get over them is let the devil know, not today, Satan. Not today. I hope there's something I've said in these devices that have gotten you stirred up about looking into your life. Get things right in your life. Get in place where your life that you're right. And, and maybe some of us, we've had some of these things. I've had some of them in my life. I had to get right. But maybe we need to get to the place that said, Lord, I want to serve you to the fullest of my ability. I cannot do that with the devices hanging around me. We're talking about a beachhead. He, he, the devil has landed into my life in this area. And I need to get it closed up. We might have an area in our life the devil is really beating us over the head with. Saying, hey, I've got you. And, and you, you go through it day in and day out. Let me tell you what. You don't have to be defeated in an area of the device that the devil has. You don't have to. God can take care of it. God can take care of it. Amen.